All right. Hey, Rockbridge. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team, and just want to welcome you for a Christmas journey and just an exciting time uh, of the year. And just want to welcome everybody that's online and all of you that are here with us physically at any of our six locations in Northwest Georgia, Cleveland, and also Hickson, Tennessee. Delighted that you're here. Hey, I just want to pause for just a minute and have a brief uh, prayer time. And just as, as we continue to deal with the pandemic and COVID, obviously there's increased numbers of people in our church that are getting sick, some folks that are struggling, some folks that we um, have lost to this. And so one, I just want to pray for our, our country, our communities, our, our folks in our church right now that are, that are dealing with this. And just continue to ask all of us, you know, we're committed to giving you two great options to worship physically and also digitally at, at home. But we just want to continue to encourage all of us to do our part and, and honor people with six feet of social distancing masks are certainly encouraged as we just kind of try to wrestle with where we are and we'll talk more about that and keep moving and navigating forward, believing in God, trusting in God. We've got hope that a virus can't touch, and uh, that's what we lean on. But in, in the midst of that, would you join with me as we pray together? God, uh, just this week, just been personally, pastorally, just reaching out to some folks that are struggling and suffering and uh, because of sickness or death. And God, so I know that that's just going on in, in the life of Rockbridge, in the life of our six communities, and in the life of our nation and in the world. And God, we're going to trust you. And we know you're sovereign and you, God, because you brought your son from death to life. Lord, you can bring good out of anything. But in the midst of this, God, we just pray for your hand of grace and your heart of mercy to be with us and be with those right now who are dealing with this in a, in a very challenging way. And Lord, we pray that now as we open your word, you'd find our hearts open. And God, that we would recognize and realize that ultimate hope and ultimate happiness are found in Christ and Christ alone. In whose name we pray, amen and amen. So uh, I don't know about you, and I'll ask you to participate if you want to raise your hand or watch online. You can type this in the comments. There's kind of two types of people in the world. Uh, there's, there's journey people, like I am just here along for the ride, and there's destination people, like I can't wait to get there. You know, you get a 32-second bathroom break, and then we're back on the road. We want to get there. So any, any journey people, man, I just want to stop and smell the roses and enjoy the journey. Got some over here online. You can type that in. How about, man, I just want to get there. I am all about the destination. So I'm raising my hand on that. My kids, they just have to have strong bladders <clears throat> when we take trips. And how many of you would never raise your hand? Uh, I didn't get you on that. Oh, I got a few. Uh, so I don't know what kind of people y'all are. But uh, so anyway, there's two kinds of people. And Christmas is sort of like that too, because you've got people who are all about the day right? The gift. When do we open the gifts? When do we get the good meal, you know, with, with family or however that's going to happen? And then there's folks who, man, I just love the season. I, I love driving around and looking at people's lights. I love the Christmas parties and all that kind of stuff. I love the caroling. I love just the journey to Christmas Day. And it strikes me that, you know, in that way, this parallels our life because we're all on some kind of journey. And, and one of the things, and it, and it could be arguably, as we'll see in our, in our scripture text in just a minute, it could be argued that what is driving all of us, wh whether you're Christian or non-Christian, doesn't matter, it's just a human thing, is that we want to experience awe, A-W-E, awe. And so it's the 
of a great gift. It's the <gasps> of Christmas morning, right? You remember that when you were a little kid? You couldn't even go to sleep. You couldn't wait to get in there and tear them open, right? <gasps> what, what did I get? Awe, right? It's that Christmas dessert. If, it, if you're like a cider person or an eggnog person, <gasps> man, that tastes so good. It's the, the, the special brands that Starbucks comes out with. It, you know, <gasps> it's just this awe, right? Some of you love Christmas shopping for the perfect gift, and you love to see the face of the person you get. <gasps> Right? You just love that. So we're just, we just have this capacity for awe and a desire for, and it makes us all what I'll call awe seekers. And it's just not just limited to Christmas. It's the girl who's got that date to prom, and, and she's looking for the perfect prom dress because she, you know, it, it just, you just want it, right? It's the, it's the, it's the person with the, who, wants the, who has the dream job and the, or wants the dream house or the perfect family. Oh, it's the athlete who wants to put in the great performance and be part of one of those games, right? It's the spectator who wants to go to a great movie, a great show, see a great piece of art. It's the, it's the person who loves creation or loves nature. And it's like, you want to get to that great view. You want to get to the top of the mountain. You want to get to the waterfall and have awe. And, and it's, just, it's just part of our humanity. And it, and it defines and distinguishes so much about our, our existence. And, and, and that's not just for Christian people. That's not just for Southern people. That's not, it's just people, people. We have a capacity for awe and it makes us all seekers after awe. It's just part of our human existence. And listen, if you understand this about yourself, you're going to begin to understand more about how God would reach out to you and how God would work in your lives. You, get, you begin to understand more about frustrations and choices and where they lead and why you do what you do and all those kinds of things because of this quest, this search, this desire for awe. And so as we look at this awe journey, we're going to see it so prevalently in, the, in one of the first Christmas experiences. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in Luke chapter 2. And, and there's this awesome story You've probably heard similar stories about the shepherds and how they found baby, baby Jesus in the manger. But let's look at it through this lens of awe. All right. So an angel from God comes to them. These are the shepherds. Now, what's interesting just about shepherds in the first century is shepherds were, were not really highly thought of. They were, they were sort of notorious kind of bad people. They weren't really spiritual people. They weren't really religious people. They were sort of kind of outcast, kind of low on the, on, the, on the pole of society, on the lowest rung of the ladder, all right? And so it's interesting that God chooses to come to them, to shepherds. It's always amazing to me the people God uses because they're not the people we think. They're not the people we think. They're not the People magazine cover people. They're just like people people. They're people that, you know, you're thinking maybe they, they should be excluded because some of us think maybe we're excluded. But God comes to them, the shepherd, through the angel, and he says, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So God's got something for everyone. And here's what he says. He says, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. He says, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth lying in a manger. 
And then suddenly, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors, to people that he's gracious to. Now, if you plug in and deep, dig deep into this word glory, glory is the, the weight, the fullness, the reality, the magnitude of who God is. And, and, and when we give glory to God, we're in awe of God. And, and so in this first Christmas, this angel comes to the shepherds and God is seeking them out and he wants to give them awe. And he wants to give them awe with himself. So that, that's an important thing for us to understand. We've already established all of us have this thing, right? We want awe. We're seeking awe, whether it's awe in money, whether it's awe in power, whether it's awe in a great athletic competition, whether it's, you know, grandmom's dessert. We just, we're seekers after awe. And God is seeking people to awe with himself, in, in fact, part if, if you, you can read the Bible through this lens of God coming to you and I and inviting us into himself to satisfy our universal thirst for awe. Oh. Look at this in 1 Chronicles. They're giving, uh, David's giving some advice to his son Solomon. And look what he says. Look, at, this is fatherly advice. Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship be in awe and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. So what's he saying? We, we all are seeking awe. God wants us to be in awe of himself. So seek God and culminate your awe quest upon God. Jeremiah 20, 13, 29, 13, something very similar. He, God says through the prophet, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Now, listen, I, I understand some of us because we're like, you know, Matt, I, I just don't have that <gasps> about God. I, 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 church has sort of been boring to me since I was a little boy or, you know, Matt, I mean, right now I find the NFL more, <gasps> I, I, I'm more in awe of, of politics. <gasps> I'm more in awe about my career path. I'm more in awe of my, my, my kids and how well they're doing in sports. I'm more in awe about my girlfriend. I get it. I get it. But I want us to understand something, at least what God's offering, at least what God's offering. So he's inviting us to find awe in him. He's inviting us to seek him. And he's seeking us, glory to God in the highest, to the shepherd people. He's seeking us. But look at what, how he describes this experience from the lens of forever. Here's what he says, Psalm 1611. He says, you will make known to me the path of life. We're on this journey through life. And part of what this journey is, as we've said, is a, a search for, a quest for the perfect meal, the perfect gift, the perfect Christmas, the great event. The, I want to go to the Super Bowl. I want to see this before I die. I want to go to the Grand Canyon. Right? So you, though, God, have made known to us the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy or abundant joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Now, God's just made a distinction that's very, very important. Because God knows we're going to pursue joy. He wired us that way. 
and, and awe and joy are, are, are very synonymous. God knows you're a pleasure seeker. He, he's the one who gave you taste buds, right? He's the one who gave you the capacity for, you know, for whatever that is, the perfect date, right? The perfect marriage, the perfect job, the perfect sunset. He gave you that. But look at what he's done to distinguish himself from all of those other quests of awe. Because every other quest of awe will eventually, get, you'll get tired of it or it'll run dry. Every other quest of awe won't last forever. It has a shelf life. And it's just like this. You know, you think of the greatest gift you got when you were a little boy. And when you got it, you were, oh, wow. Does that, does that gift do it for you today? I mean, my boys will open their presents when they were younger. And, and Beth and I used to joke, we we're like 36 hours. It'll be gone in 36 hours. It'll be forgotten, be put over the Why? Because it doesn't fully satisfy. It doesn't comp give complete joy. And, and that's, that explains some of your pain. That explains some of your story right now while we're talking. Because you're an awe seeker, whether it's in Jesus or not. Just who you are, who I am, and we're going to do it. And, and the reason some of us are frustrated and the reason some of us are empty and the reason some of us are questioning and the reason some of us have this pain that we can't do anything about or can't get, can't get rid of or we're feeling just frustrated or we're feeling cynical or, or, or whatever is because our awe quest has landed on something less than forever and less than full. And so God's inviting us. He's been inviting us since Genesis that he will make known the path of life marked by the awe quest and in your presence full of joy in your right hand there are pleasures forever. So let's rejoin our shepherds. So when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Why? Oh, you, you've, you've said to your kids, let's go. Let's go see this. Let's go over and eat this. It's what awe does. It drives us, it defines us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the ba baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were, oh amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. <gasps> God is awesome for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So you know what that, what, what that shows us about, about ourselves is where we look for awe will determine the direction of our lives. Where we look for awe is where we, it determines so much of the direction of our lives. I, I can tell you, know, we can look and if you're in awe of a girl, guys, that's gonna set some direction for you. If you're in awe of money or power, it's going to determine some direction for you. If you love, if you are just enamored with great music 
then I can look at your calendar, I can look at your debit card, or look at your, and we're going to see a direction, right, to experience, to purchase, to go hear great music. It's just the way it is. It determines the direction. And look, so this invitation to all that the shepherds heard, what, let us go straight. And they hurried to get there. So this tells us something great about ourselves, insightful about ourselves, and also about God, because God, with grace and mercy, is in the direction and the redirection business. He's in the invitation business, and he's in the direction, redirection business. He's inviting us to put our all quest upon himself and to pursue him. And to pursue him. And, and so I, I, I'm just wondering here this Christmas season, if, if that could not be something that we hear from God and what we move our lives in that direction or we realign or we redirect. Because listen, as we've already said, some of our greatest pains and some of our greatest acts of sin and our greatest acts of rebellion were done in the name of awe, but they led us to something less than forever awe and less than fullness of joy. And so God would, might be redirecting us here today. And God might be inviting us here today. So let's continue through Luke, and we'll, or Luke chapter 2, and we'll see this theme. So we go now to Jerusalem, and there's a man whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, and he was looking forward. This, this attitude of expectancy, this attitude of oh, something's out there. It's, it's like us on the way to the beach or us on the way to the game, and I'm looking forward. Why? Because we're looking forward to awe. Oh, Looking forward to Israel's consolation or the salvation and revelation of the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So he's guided by the Spirit and he enters the temple. And at the same time Simeon enters the temple, what happens? The parents, Mary and Joseph, bring in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law for a newborn. Simeon took him up, Jesus in his arms, praised God, awe of God, and said, now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Remember, this gift, this awe of God, this awe is for all peoples, a light of revelation, for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people, Israel. He's in awe. He's found what he's looking for. His awe quest has terminated on the person, the baby, the Messiah, Jesus. So if we're going to redirect today or find direction for our awe navigation, let's, let's, let's get some help from the text. Let's get some help from Dr. Luke as he gives us these, these uh, descriptions of people on an awe quest. The, the first thing that, that, I want us to, that we need to remember and we need to see that this search centers on a person. Capital P, person. Here's what happens to, to you and I. It's, been, it's happened since the garden. We are what, created by God to stand in awe of God. So let's call that vertical directed awe of God. Now what happens is though we'll replace vertical with horizontal. Adam and Eve created in the garden to, to, to walk with God, to be blessed by God, to do God's work in God's creation and reflect God, perfect relationship vertically with God. And then what happened? They looked out and they saw 
They saw something that looked good. <gasps> wow. And you always move in the direction of your awe navigation system. And so they go over to this something that looks good and they took it and they traded or replaced awe of God for awe of something created. We've been doing it ever since. We'll replace awe of God for awe of self. We'll replace awe of God for awe of other people and relationships and our relationships, our hobbies, our addictions. All of that is an awe replacement problem. And what we need to see every time in the text, and we're going to look at three examples. We looked at two, the shepherds and Simeon. We'll look at one more. All of the awe quest centers, zero ends, culminates on the person of Jesus Christ. And we get into trouble when, it, when we go horizontal instead of vertical. Now, we also get into trouble. And let me talk to the religious people in the room, the religious people online, people that have, I've grown up in church, I've heard all this. Let me, let me just say this. What I think is one of the challenges of Christianity, especially in the Deep South, especially in America, is this. We've made Christianity more about a tradition, an idea, and a belief instead of about a person. So I'm going to ask us all a question, especially all the people who, man, I've been, I've been in church for a while. Let me ask you a question. Is your version of Christianity more about an idea, a set of beliefs, or a series of traditions, or is it about a person to be loved, followed, and worshiped? So hear me very, very clearly. The invitation God offers is to come to him and to have a relationship with him. So remember, the search stops, culminates on a person, the person of God, the Messiah, the person of Jesus Christ. It doesn't stop uh, short of that. Now, the second thing that's really, really helpful is that we get some help. We have some assistance. We're assisted by God himself. God knows we tend to get lost. God knows we tend to replace vertical for horizontal. God knows there's something wrong inside of us that makes us look for awe, not in the place we were created to receive it, but in, to, in things that have been created not in our creator. So we are assisted by the Holy Spirit. John talks about this. He even calls the Holy Spirit the helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So we get this assistance from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit helps us because we're, so we're not flying blind. So I, so I want everybody to understand something. Your God, whether, you're, whether you've surrendered to him or not, or are seeking him or not, or, or kicking the tires of Christianity or not, whether you know it or not, God is always trying to grab, capture your attention. Always. It's who he is. It's what he does. what the helper does. He's always trying to get and capture your attention. Now, you get to choose what gets your attention. So God's working there. So you look inside yourself and you look at the questions you're asking. Are you asking questions like why or how? Are you wondering why you feel empty, why you feel frustrated? Those questions could be arising in your soul because your God who's seeking to give you all with himself is inviting you and is wooing you. Your dog's not asking those questions. The gorilla at the Atlanta Zoo is not asking those questions. They're asking questions like, when do I get to eat? Where am I going to sleep and where am I going to go to the bathroom? 
That's what they're asking. You ask those questions, but you also ask questions like, what's the meaning of this? Why am I feeling empty? Why am I feeling frustrated? Who am I? You're an awe seeker, and God is an awe giver. You look at your life, and you look at the coincidences. Could God be trying to get your attention? You look at your life, and you look at, the, why did that happen? Why did I bump into him then? Why am I in church today? Why am I listening to this message today? Because God is trying through the Holy Spirit, the helper, to redirect your awe to the only place where you'll have the joy and the pleasures of awe forever. That's when it ends on him and his son. Now, we know this, though. We know this, that it will be a battle and a fight to see him clearly, to find him. It's a battle to see him clearly. And, and you're going to fight this battle on a couple of fronts. On a couple of fronts, we're going to have to fight this battle because there's competition, right? There's competition of where your awe goes and who gets it. You're going to compete with yourself because yourself and myself loves to be in awe of itself. And we don't like to admit that, but just ask the people that have lived with you for a while, right? Just ask Adam and Eve. Just, we, we, we're, we get in competition with God, and we make life about us. We make our job about us. We make things out, you know, the annoyances, it's all about us. It's like we walk around in life with a mirror, right? And it's always, how does this affect me, and how does this impact me? Let me ask everybody a question. Do you think in heaven you'll be holding a mirror Go, go, just if you're curious about that, do you think in heaven you'll just be walking around like, wow, look at me, wow, wow. No, there's no mirror in heaven because you're all looking at Jesus. And you know what we're doing? <gasps> Forever. And it'll never get old. It'll never get boring. So we have this competition with self. I, I think also we have to recognize this, especially around a traditional season like Christmas. There's a battle with familiarity. There's such this temptation, like, oh, I went to church last week. I don't need to go this week. Oh, I've sung that song before. Oh, I've read this passage before. Like, hmm, what have you done for me lately? Please understand, the depth of the majesty, the wonder, the greatness, the glory of God will never run dry, will never run out. God is not like the 36-hour toy that my boys got. He's the eternal one. And you never will grow tired of that. So you have to fight. I have to fight the familiarity. If, 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 you're, if you're ever running dry, you just got to think, what did God do for you when he died for you, when he came for you, when he was born in a manger for you, when he hung on a cross for you, when he came out of the tomb for you, when he woos you, when he invites you, when he gives you those questions, when he creates those coincidences and, and overcome your familiarity with renewed <gasps> of who God is, of who God is. So there's one final story in Luke chapter 2 that once again is an awe-directed story, and it's all about navigation toward awe. There's this prophetess. Her name is Anna. She's a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe Asher, and she was well along in years, and she's a widow, very vulnerable person in this population or in this society. What is she doing? She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, so right after Simeon finds Jesus and... <gasps> Vertical awe to, the, to Christ, she came up and began to thank God, gratitude, and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption 
of Jerusalem. Once again, awe that terminates, culminates upon God. Now, what I want us to see is this third battle that Anna doesn't fight. Anna's overcome it because she is a seeker of God. She's arranged her schedule such that she can find God, discover God, and encounter God. So the third battle that we have to fight is one, with, one of distraction. One of distraction. One of the reasons... Some of us have yet to encounter God in a powerful way or it's been a long time since you stood in vertical awe of God is because you haven't arranged your life so that God can interact with you. You just keep missing it. Like you're on the journey and you, know, you keep missing the turn or missing the exit or you look this way and it's on the right side but you're distracted by the left side. And, and that's what a lot of us are like. There's nothing in our lives that gives God any room to redirect, capture, or place us in awe of him. So that makes us susceptible to having be, to be dealt with through pain, adversity, and a crisis, which God will also use to try to get our attention. So how, how, do we, how do we process this battle with distraction? First, let me say this. Please understand this, okay? Satan doesn't have to defeat you if he can distract you. If he can just keep us distracted and busy, he doesn't have to defeat us. He doesn't have to worry with us. And, and we can be going along in our lives and we, oh, I'm a good person. I do my little deal. I'm not killing anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm going the speed limit usually. You know, life is good. I run my kids here, there, everywhere and be totally out of sync with God. And Satan doesn't even have to worry about it. So oftentimes we will have to adjust and narrow and focus in our awe seeking to give God dedicated space in our day, in our mind, in our week, in our month where we're just going to seek him or get in an arena, get in a channel where God can get and have our undivided attention. Because here's what we all need to understand. Our transformation and our satisfaction in God will never exceed our concentration. Never exceed our concentration. So the more we can focus upon God, the more he can transform us and satisfy us with himself. See, see this in, the, in, in Hebrews, in this invitation in Hebrews, when, when again, life is compared to a journey. So he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race, the journey that is before us. Now, I want us to understand something. He says, we got to get rid of sin and we got, we got rid of stuff that you wouldn't call a sin, but it inhibits our ability to run the race. Now, when we run a race, what are we looking to? Jesus, looking to Jesus, concentrated upon Jesus, who's the founder and perfecter of our faith. And Jesus himself, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I want a bell to go off because we've already talked about the right hand and what happens at the right hand of God. So Jesus Christ hung on a cross. Jesus Christ died in our place. Jesus Christ was born in a trough, a feeding trough. Why? So he could pave a road for us to get to the right hand of God. And what happens at the right hand of God? God, you've made known the, to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. <gasps> the awe path has been blazed and created by the awe giver himself, Jesus Christ. So powerful, right? 
that we look to Jesus and look at where he's taking us. Now, here's a warning. Misplaced awe always ends in dissatisfaction and frustration. Misplaced awe will always result in disappointment. Sure, it can last a season. It can last a Friday night. It can last a little bit. Yeah. But it's temporary. It's leaky. It's incomplete. However, Christ-centered awe ends in worship, contentment, and gratitude. Worship, contentment, and gratitude. So I would ask us to have this question. Can we have joy and hope in a pandemic? Depends where our awe is directed. Right? Yes. Because has Christ changed? No. Is he still seeking? Yes. Is he still seeking us? Yes. Is he still inviting us? Yes. Can we have awe and joy and hope in the midst of a recession? Yeah, we can. But it depends where our awe's at. Depends where our awe's aimed. Depends what's navigating us forward because it'll always set the direction of our lives. This is why awe is a gauge and a guide. It guides us, it sets direction, but it's also a gauge. It's also a measure. It's also a way to understand what's really going on. And, and so as we think about it, think about doing an awe audit. What's giving you awe right now? Look at our emotions. Look at our fascinations. Look at our attitude. Look at our language. And, and determine what's, where our awe is centered where our awe is at. Let me, let me explain this for just a second, okay? Let's imagine you climb up this beautiful this mountain and it has this amazing view, amazing view, okay? Like it's just so, like you could stare at it and stare at it. You want to take pictures and you want to take pictures. Imagine you get up there and the first thing you do, the first thing you do is pull out a mirror and start admiring yourself. We would say, what, what, what's wrong with that person? What's wrong with that person? Or, or, or you, you come up to it and you're like, meh, I'm ready to go. Do you suddenly start doubting the beauty of the view? Do you suddenly start doubting? No, you're like, something's wrong with you. Either you're all about you or, or you've lost awe of the majesty of creation. And so when you hear the story of Christmas, when you hear the story of this baby who came in a manger to die on a cross to put you at the right hand of God and inside yourself, you're like, meh. Or inside yourself, God, I don't want to talk about you. I want to talk about me. That's on us. That's an indictment of our heart. That's when we have to say, Holy Spirit, help me. Renew my vision of you and the glory I was created to share in and be, stand in awe of forever with you. So that's why awe is, is like a gauge and that's why we do an awe audit. Think about your attitude and your language. And I was reading this, I'm read, reading this book on awe by Paul David Tripp's fasc, fascinating subject. But, but he, he, he makes this statement, he says, complaining is the natural language of the sinner and the selfish. I, 
the universal language of human beings apart from God is complaining. The scriptures say do everything without complaining or arguing. And we're like, how can you say that? The world's broken. Everything's wrong. Matt, how can you say that? We're in a pandemic. Depends where you're aimed at for awe. Depends where your awe is culminating. Praise, gratitude is the language of someone who's being satisfied. As Christians, we've been given forever to enjoy the pleasures that Jesus won to put us at the right hand of God. So I want to say this to all of us. No matter where you are in your journey, awe is a part of that journey. No matter where you are with God right now, if you're far from God, I am so glad you're here. So glad you're here with questions, and I'd love to help. If if you're here because you're just always here, it's what you do. You're a Christian. You're a church person. Great. If you've drifted off and you're, you know, kind of broken or in sin or you, you know you've kind of pursued awe in the girls or in the money or wherever, no matter where you are, me too, at some point you've got to look intently, not in passing, not in a one-minute Bible, but you've got to look intently at Jesus Christ. And here's what I'd encourage all of us to do at some point this Christmas season. Look at him until this happens. <gasps> Glory to God in the highest. Stand in awe of him. It's what you were made to do. It's what Jesus died to do, to give you. Not just on a Friday night. Not just when the economy's good. Not when just there's no, vac- there's no COVID. But forever. That's how awesome he is. Let's have an awesome Christmas. Let me pray for us. Hey, God, by your Holy Spirit who's here, would you just bring some vision, truth of Jesus Christ to our minds, whether it's this humble beginning in a manger or this sacrificial death on a cross or the glorious reign that's going on in heaven, God, Show us the glory of Jesus. And just in our hearts, God, may there be a flicker, a reignition, a rejuvenation of awe. The awe that we were meant to have to enjoy forever. And God, thank you for going on the right way of the cross so that you at the right hand of God, us at the right hand of God, could have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. God, help us in our quest for awe to focus that on the awesome God that you are and the son that you gave. And it's in his name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.